You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. You have to take anything you do that you do as a business or for me, the hobby of cycling, you have to have passion, especially if you own it and you're going to be working the incredible amount of hours to do it. Cycling is the same way and cycling, you have to have passion because you're never going to be the best rider. You're not going to be the best business person. You're not supposed to be. You're supposed to make mistakes because that's the way life is. Experience life, make mistakes. Business and cycling, the passion is what gets you through that. So I, I always push the, the, the word passion. Have passion in whatever you do, in business, in, in your life, in, in, in cycling, in your triathlon, in sport, because that's what gives it value to you. And it's worth more than anything. It's worth more than money. So you can't put a price tag on passion. That was Nelson Gutierrez. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. You are going to love today's guest. He's an entrepreneur, top cyclist and coach, and a super inspiring guy whose business has been a beacon of light for so many cyclists over the past year. His name, Nelson Gutierrez, owner of Strictly Bicycles. But before we get started, shout out to our sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Now, back to Nelson. When Strictly Bicycles founder, Nelson Gutierrez, opened his store in 1994, he dreamed of not only sharing his sport with the world, but creating a community of passionate cyclists looking for a welcoming place to socialize, refuel, and purchase the highest quality gear to set them up for success. And that is exactly what he did. Just ask any cyclist where their go-to stop is on a long ride outside New York City. The answer, Strictly Bicycles. It's the place to be. And guess what? Cycling season is upon us on the East Coast. I know you West Coasters have been cycling all year. Temps are warming up. So I'll be at Strictly in New Jersey starting next weekend on Sundays for sure. On today's episode, Nelson shares how he fell in love with cycling as a way to expand his horizons and explore new places while growing up in the inner city. He talks about working at a bike shop at the age of 19 
and how his position there fueled his entrepreneurial drive and led him to launch his own career and open Strictly Bicycles, which is located now in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and in Hell's Kitchen in New York City. We discuss how Nelson pivoted his business during the COVID-19 pandemic towards a more virtual experience and how he has been able to keep customers and employees safe by shutting down the store's snack bar, but remaining open for shoppers and his usual insight, advice, tips, and just general community and being there. Nelson also shares his sage wisdom on cycling and offers tips and advice on everything from buying your first bike to purchase ideas for seasoned cyclists looking to level up their gear to the importance of bike fitting, ideas for training indoors and outdoors. And of course, I sync up with Nelson on how cycling fuels him for success and vice versa. See you at Strictly. And if you like what you hear, Leave us a review. It's easy. Head over to the app on your phone or your iPad or wherever you listen. Click on five stars. Click on leave a review and tell us what you love. Also, share the episode with your friends on social. Share it in your stories. Share it on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, on TikTok. And don't forget, sign up for our weekly newsletter, The Download. All right. Wheels up. Let's do this. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I'm just so excited to connect with you. I know I see you almost every weekend, but you're we're always both like I'm riding and you're working. I've been coming to your bike shop, Strictly Bicycles, also known as Strictly, for over a decade since I started triathlon and cycling. It's my first stop off the GW on my way to 9W and NIAC and my last stop on the way home. It's where I meet up with other cycling friends, where I fill up my water bottles, refuel, and expert cycling tips. And of course, if I have extra time on the way home, I'll shop. I love the vibe at Strictly Bicycles. It's such a cool spot and it's so much more than just a bike shop. What inspired you to open Strictly Bicycles and when did you open? So uh, Strictly Bicycles was a, a, a dream of a little a little kid that wanted to have a, a bike shop around him that would be inclusive and, and be about the sport of cycling. At a ripe old age of 19 years old, I decided to, to leap out and to do something that everybody else said would, was crazy, to open up a bike shop that people don't take cycling seriously. I grew up with, uh, you know, racing as a young cyclist. Uh, racing back then was very small. Uh, New York City was very, uh, the bike scene was very, you know, kind of niche. Uh, not everybody did it. Uh, triathlon wasn't something that was uh, being done at that time. And if it was, it was Dave Scott, which obviously was a teeny tiny sport also. So cycling wasn't really on the map, but it's what I knew and it's what I loved. And it was a passion of mine. And uh, I just went for it. Little did I know that that little bike shop that I opened up 27 years ago, it's going to be a catalyst for a lot of people getting into the sport and riding. So the bike shop grew up with the sport. I think uh, cycling in America exploded uh, during the times when Lance Armstrong made that, that, that leap, that victory at the Tour de France that we all saw. Obviously, it's been polarized in all different directions. But one thing that stuck cycling, people got into it because of that event. Um, and our business grew and uh, the sport grew and strictly became more of a, of a communal experience over the last few years. 
because uh, we basically, like you said, became a home for a lot of uh, New York cyclists. And that's the key word. I wanted to make a bike shop that wasn't just a bike shop. It was a home and a community. So it would kind of grow, grow in a positive way. It would help people get into cycling, not just sell them stuff. That's, that's strictly. So you started out as a cyclist. Where did cycling begin for you? So cycling began with me from just wanting to ride a bicycle. As a kid, I, I used bike, bicycle riding as freedom. I grew up inner city. Uh, my parents didn't own a car. So I wanted to become mobile and I didn't want to walk. Bicycles were the only thing that, that, you know, I wanted to create speed and I found it easy to get on a bicycle and just ride it. It brought joy to me and uh, it took away all the, uh, it took me out of my little inner city world and it it expanded my horizons. I was able to learn about 9W. I was able to learn about other places other than, you know, where I grew up uh, uh, without having to get on a bus. I, I used a bike to go everywhere. I feel like cycling does that for a lot of people. I mean, I think that it really allows you to have your independence and to get out and explore the world, especially as a young kid. I mean, I started cycling probably when I was, you know, I think I learned how to ride a bike when I was like five. And then I used to go out on adventures in the neighborhood and flash forward a few years and I'm doing triathlons and trying to get my first century in on 9W, just all by myself, because, you know, obviously we're in COVID times. I'm not doing any kind of group rides. How did you decide to just open your own shop? You know, you were 19 years old. Like, what inspired you to do that versus pursuing a more traditional path of, you know, school and university and getting a job? Well, as a, as a young bike racer, uh, I couldn't have, my parents obviously couldn't afford the sport. So I worked at a bike shop like a lot of bike racers do uh, to get to be able to be around bikes all day. I worked at a bike shop and I learned the operate the business operation. I, I liked the people when I was finishing up high school. Uh, unfortunately, because of our of our you know circumstances, monetary circumstances, my brother was older than me. And he went to college. And my parents did everything they could to pay for his college. And I kind of saw my father aging. He was an older father. I didn't want him to struggle and have to put me through college. I wanted him to retire. So I decided to go work. And the only thing I knew how to do was work in a bike shop. And I worked at a bike shop managing it right when I left high school instead of going to college, obviously. And uh, I figured that I hated working for somebody else because I had a lot of passion. I want to put in extra hours. I knew I had to, the only path that I had for success was to go off on my own. Um, so it was almost like a decision that uh, I don't want to say I had no choice, but I, it, there was no choice for to, to create a career. If I didn't go to college, I had to get into business because that was the only way to really have some financial uh, freedom, I should say. But it wasn't financial freedom in true reality. But uh, in my mind at that time was to create a career. So that was the career path I chose um, and obviously still doing it. So and you it do what that- you love. I mean, it's so amazing. And now, yeah. I mean, it. you're so lucky you were so young when you started Strictly Bicycles and to be able to have that sense like this is what you're passionate about and this is what you're going to do is like something that people search for their entire lives. But you had it. Yeah. And I was going to say that I think part of the, the, the reason people don't become entrepreneurs or don't try is because of fear. And obviously at a young age, I had a little bit less fear than most people. Right. Uh, But I could tell you that the fear has, whatever little fear I had, it's grown over the years. 
And as being in business this long, I still have that fear. And that's what drives me, actually. It drives me to keep learning and to keep doing different things. Uh, and everybody should follow that. You know, always push your fear. Keep going. You know, it's, it's always good to try new things. Yeah. And how, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think like just like, <laughs> you know, even during this conversation, we're talking about how we're both sort of trying to create more content. Like I'm doing a YouTube channel. You're doing a YouTube channel. Strictly Bicycles is a huge community. I mean, it's not just a shop. And you've managed to cultivate and curate that, not probably intentionally, it just was organic for you over the years. But how are you maintaining that? And especially over the past year with COVID, like how do you connect with your community of cycling? I mean, it's the entire community of cycling in New York City and New Jersey and this whole sort of area around here. It's a good question. So uh, the first thing I thought when COVID hit is how do we protect people? Because aside from the economics, Strictly Bicycles, the the store in Fort Lee is a meeting area. Everybody congregates. And cyclists are kind of a social people and they want to be around each other. So I was worried for the for the family of cyclists that ride from New York to New Jersey. So we, we just basically tried to shut our interior and make sure people stayed outside and tried to create social distancing as best as we could. Right. And tried to do, Insta, you know, Instagram, social media, Facebook, uh, try to instill safety in everything we did. Wearing masks all the time. Even the way we run our business now is we try to do more virtual business right. than experiential. Uh, it's changed a little bit. We swayed back to experiential. We're letting people in the store. You know, you've come in. Uh, yes. We try to, uh, but we're still focusing on, on pushing the idea of staying safe as much as we can. We're lucky that everybody's healthy around us, but right. things could change overnight. So uh, we do the most we can to try to keep telling people to, to stay safe. That's as best as we can, we can put that message out. Yeah, I mean, I I actually feel super safe when I come to Strictly Bicycles. I mean, I have been in the early days of COVID and quarantine, I was in cycling because more about just like, God forbid, I fell off my bike or whatever. Like, I don't want to have to go to the hospital when there's people that are sick that should be have access more than me. But once that was over and things got better, I started going out on my bike and I was very nervous to you know, ride up over the GW thinking it might be crowded and everything was really awesome. I mean, I really rode over the GW. It wasn't too crowded. I got to Strictly. Everybody was socially distanced in the parking lot. People were like hanging out, but with masks and even, you know, going inside the store. I think, you know, it was great. I know you guys had to make a choice, like, you know, Strictly Bicycles, people come, they have coffee, they have bananas, they have snacks, you have great gluten-free desserts and non-gluten-free desserts at the coffee bar. But that kind of closed down because you had to make a choice of whether you wanted to have people in the store or not. And then you also opened a second store. Yep. We opened up, uh, we were working on Strictly Cycling Collective, which was the extension of trying to uh, bring Strictly into New York City, uh, into Hudson Yards, which was a big endeavor in itself. Uh, But the idea was to bring the community to congregate in New York City and, and give them another home to, 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 to just be free and give them the best looking, uh, best merchandise, best uh, experience we can do for, for the bike industry. And that's Strictly Cycling Collective. Uh, I had to make the hard decision, should I open it uh, during these times or should I keep it closed and maybe open it once we're a little safer? Yeah, we made the decision to open it because I think people really look to biking and cycling as an essential uh, escape. Yes. And we did the same thing. We had to try to make it really safe. 
We have a big cafe there we can't open, which is a big part of our store. So it kind of hurt us. But uh, we've done really well with just trying to keep it a bike shop, which is what we're all about, riding. And we've done, it's a beautiful store. Uh, Hopefully you have to see it. Yeah, I would love to. I have to come see it. I, you know, I hear that the cycling industry, there's been a huge boom in like people buying bikes. I mean, how has your business been affected by this? Yeah, we're, we're riding that same wave. Uh, it's been a, it's been a, a, a great ride and it's also been a sad ride because we've also been out of a lot of stuff. We weren't able to allocate some bikes. We do have a lot of bikes in stock. We're lucky in that sense that we were able to buy bicycles from our great brand partners. Uh, Specialized Bicycles has been great. Pinarello has been great. Uh, some of the other brands have also been really, really key to keeping our shelves full. But one big thing is kids' bikes. Uh, kids' bikes Kids' bike sales were, were, were kind of dropping over the last few years because kids are into video games and, right. and you know, all this computer stuff. Because of COVID, families have turned to cycling and, and kids' bikes were selling like hotcakes during the, the beginning of COVID. And I'm sad to say that that bike, kids' bikes have been out of stock pretty, pretty bad over the last few months. Yeah. Um, that's kind of hurt us in the sense, not economically, but just not being able uh, to sell putting them. Kids yeah. On bikes, yeah, putting, putting kids on bikes is all we're for. Those are our new riders. That's the future of our sport. Yes. Hopefully that gets better. Putting adults on bikes, we're good. We have bikes for you. We're happy people are buying them. What kind of bikes do you sell? We sell uh, all the major brands. Uh, we sell uh, Specialized Trek, Cannondale, Pinarello, you know, some specialty brands like Colnago, uh, Lightweight. Uh, we do Zip product. We do a lot of the niche uh you know, kind of high tech stuff at Strictly Bicycles. That's what we pride ourselves. We've right. always been about the sport. So we try to stock everything and keep it on hand for everyone. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, for new, for people who are looking to buy a bike right now, you know, in the new year, because this is going to air in the new year, you know, what do you think are some good things that people should look for when, if they're recreational riders, new to the sport, looking to get into cycling? or triathlon, or just simply out for a fun ride and lunch, you know, what are they, what should they look for in a new bike? Well, I mean, first of all, I think they should look for a bicycle that's their size. Right. Number one. So sizing (laughs) is really big. So yeah, a lot of people make that mistake, especially through this time. A lot of people were buying virtually and the sad part is they were doing it to stay safe, which is cool. Right. But they really should focus on making sure they either get a fitting or they get assessed by a professional. So going to their local bike shop is the right thing to do. It's an essential business. So we were happy with getting people in to get them sized correctly. Right. Their first bike, they should try to get the best bike they can possibly get. Um, I don't want to use the word afford, but that's kind of a key thing. You want right. to make sure you can afford something, right? So get, you know, maximize what you can buy your budget so you can get something that you can keep and grow with. So if you're going to get into triathlon, I don't say get a tri bike all the time. I say get a road bike. Right. Um, so you can, it can be more versatile and you can do triathlon on it, but you can also train on it and ride on the road with your friends. But I think the key thing is go to your local bike shop, try to see if you can do it safely and go in and get an assessed size and yes. look at the bikes. I see so many people like riding that out, even sometimes on 9W that, you know, you could see that their bike has not been fitted right. And, you know, it just, it has like such long-term effects on your body too, 
Do you do virtual fittings at Strictly Bicycles or you're just doing, you're doing in-person only? It's funny you're saying that. We, we're trying to work with a new type of software that does virtual fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, virtual assessment is actually uh, something that's safer where you kind of uh, basically have virtual sizing. You tell the, the customer takes their own measurements and we can size them to the bicycle okay. that way. Yeah. Unfortunately, our fitting systems are very technical and and you really need the eye of that fitter in front of the rider to get perfection or get to get close to it. Right. But there are tools out there that we can help you so you can get the right size bicycle virtually. Yes. Right. So not, Uh, you know, maybe for somebody who's getting into the sport of cycling, but not for a triathlete or a cyclist that's, you know, doing a century, like that's a little bit more important to come in and really like look at the fit and tweak the angles and the seed and the pedals and all of that for optimum power. Yeah. For optimal power and for optimal safety. And, and if you're a person with injuries, yeah. um, you really should be seen by a professional um, and pick your professionals wisely. Just make sure that they're running their operation really safe. Um, we're actually in my, one of my fitting rooms, right? And this is a fitting room I can't use because the space is too small. Uh, you have to make sure your fitting area, which we brought downstairs is it is open to air you can't have you need air circulation right that's a big um, thing now i mean obviously because of covid not before correct yes before we could keep the room closed now we can't so yeah. uh our new store has an amazing fitting area at, at hudson yards it's huge and it's got its own uh hvac system it's got airflow we still keep the door open it's it's a safe environment yeah uh we can help you there more effectively here we would do it downstairs in our in our new fitting area which is not an official fitting area right right and so now like for my you know athlete listeners who maybe are on you know bike 3 or they're you know triathletes and sort of more technically advanced and more advanced riders what are some of the big trends in equipment that they could be looking at to level up this year if they're looking to invest in their sport and invest in their bike. Like I'm thinking, you know, disc brakes, wheels, like what are some things that you think are worthy investments that could really change their ride? Yeah. So the number one thing we say is, is uh, the big improvement you can make if you have an existing bike is your wheels. Mm -hmm. Wheels are a big deal. Uh, they, They account for other than fitting, they account for a lot of the percentage of wind drag or aerodynamics uh, one big thing is they look cool. Yes, so they having do look cool. A, a cool. Yeah, they look cool. So having a cool toy is we're all about that. We're children. We want, you know, we're doing the sport, but we want to have fun. This is our toy. Uh, investing in wheels is a big deal. Uh, we like ceramic bearings, uh, you know, making your bike more efficient by making the bearings, the actual things that turn and create heat uh, going into ceramic. Uh, we use ceramic speed products uh, to make your bike more efficient. Because more watts that you save is more energy so you can go faster. So right. um, and then upgrading your bicycle would be would be something which is a larger ticket item. Technology's yeah. gone a long way. Disc brakes are really relevant right now, like you said. So making sure you have a bicycle that's advanced with disc brakes means you're going to have more aerodynamics because they can make the bike more efficient. The cockpit right. could be more efficient. The frame could be more efficient. That would be your big ticket item to I buy. I mean, that, you bike. might as well buy a new bike with that. I mean, it's not worth it because yeah. you have to change the wheels and everything else, right? Correct. So it's 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 a big investment, but uh, obviously, if your if your bicycle is aging and, and you have an excuse 
uh, to look at new bicycles, please look at bicycles with disc brakes. You, you really like that. that. The yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, the future. Don't, yeah. Don't buy another rim brake bicycle if you can, because uh, disc brakes are going to be for, that's it. It's set into the engineering and, and we're going to be all on discs. And what uh, about next. you're going to be all on discs for the next, sorry. Yeah. The next cycle of engineering bicycles is all disc brake, no more rim brake. Okay. Yeah. And so then it probably isn't worth it to get wheels if you're going to get a whole new bike and move into well, the disc or. Yeah. If you're, if you're not going to buy a bike in the next year or two years uh, and you do want to make a, an impactful uh, difference on improving the efficiency and the speed of the bike, wheels are the place to go or ceramic bearings. But if you're going to buy a bike in the next six months, obviously focus on that because the wheels are going to be different. Uh, the whole setup is going to be different. So you want to, you want to kind of focus, hone in on buying things with disc brakes. Yeah. How often should you get a new helmet? Because I recently had that experience. That's a great question. So we always go through this in the industry. A lot of people tell me, oh, my helmet hasn't fallen. I haven't fallen. Why do I need a new helmet? Well, a helmet, usually we give it a two-year cycle, a shelf life. So essentially that means if you've owned a helmet for two years and you haven't dropped it, you haven't sweated in it, uh, you haven't done anything that would cause the foam inside. Remember a helmet is foam inside right. to degrade. Uh, then you don't need a new helmet, but that in this case, everybody sweats in their helmet, uses their helmet. So we tell people every two years, you really should buy a new helmet because it's just not going to be as safe. Um, and technology changes. So helmets get better. We have mixed technology. We have Angie, which is angular sensing indicators, which are computerized chips that are put in the helmet that tell you when a helmet's been impacted hard and things like that. You should really look to get a new helmet every two years at the minimum. Yeah. Or if you have an accident, if you have an accident and your head touched the ground, you should buy a new helmet. Right. Um, definitely th- buy a helmet. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't talk about that. And I had an experience with that recently where, you know, someone said to me like, you really need a new helmet. And I'm like, I was so mortified because my helmet was so old and I'm such like I'm so meticulous about so many things and I really had no idea that I should have a new helmet. And I mean, it was like five years old. Yeah. That's yeah. It. It's Throw a bad, I got, yeah. <laughs> and then the, yeah. you know, my other, my other thing is shoes. I mean, I walk into your shop all the time, always on the hunt for new shoes. I mean, I haven't, as a triathlete, I haven't been that focused on what I look like on the bike, yeah. but as a, now as somebody who's been, more into the sport of cycling and less about racing and more about like being out all the time. I I definitely have an interest in style and fashion. And I know that sounds silly from the perspective of someone who's a cyclist, but I see that everybody has got these awesome shoes and I, I've been looking at shoes to kind of, you know, switch gears and level up my cycling look. Yeah. You know, and there's so much to think about. Like there are a lot like running sneakers, which I really never thought about but you really have to like there's a different shoe for every person that fits your foot differently and shoes and shoes in fitting are really big because if the, the shoes help with the biomechanics of pedaling the bicycle so if your shoe is not set up properly cleat position insole uh if the shoe is old it starts to break down and you lose support and the shoe is your connection to the bicycle everybody spends a ton of money on their bicycle right but they forget that the shoe is part of that. It's it's a soft good, but it's really a hard good. That's the connecting point. So if technology changes with shoes, they get lighter, they get more efficient, they get more anatomically made for your foot. Uh, you should really invest in 
good shoes, like a good saddle. Right. Uh, saddles break down. I've seen people that are riding the same saddle. Oh, it's my favorite saddle for five years. But you know what? Saddles break down as well. The padding breaks down. Technology changes. Uh, you're able to put your hips in a better position if you're more comfortable on the saddle for more efficiency. So shoes, saddle, uh, handlebar tape, bike positioning, they all kind of flow together to make you more comfortable and a more efficient rider. Uh, the less pain you feel, yeah. the faster you go. So that, yeah. that's a model. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think those are all great ideas and things that people can do who are like seasoned cyclists or triathletes that – you know, maybe we don't have races on the horizon, but at least we can get excited about, you know, what we have on our bike or how we're riding. Something new always makes me excited to get out and ride. Not only are you an entrepreneur and cycling shop and community builder, but you're also a cycling coach and have your own group that you coach and ride with. So what are some of your favorite routes around the city that you like to do? Well, I mean, I grew up on 9W, so I, I like riding out of the city. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, like a lot of people. <laughs> like not in Central Park, like five loops in a row. Well, I've done that a bunch of times. You get dizzy after a while. Yes. It's getting more dangerous, Central Park. So uh, riding riding uh, on 9W, I mean, you can do anything on 9W. Uh, there's plenty of roads that feed off of 9W that uh, that take you to different places. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of – so if you have a workout that's just – uh, a climbing workout. You could do River Road. River Road is amazing. Everybody's it's famous. It, it runs right below 9W. You could do hill repeats. Yeah, hill uh, repeats. Road, yeah. Which is the one thing I found as a as a as a cyclist is that time is 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 important because you don't have a lot of it. Right. So being able to find the quality ride in a short distance is really big time. So we love doing hill repeats. If we train somebody, it's all about going up and down hills and try to be more efficient at that. Um, it helps how, you create a base for everything else. How do you get more efficient in hills? You ride a lot. <laughs> you go up and down a you lot. You ride uh, on the hills. Yeah. A lot of people think that being better at riding means you have to uh, suffer more. Sometimes it's the opposite. It's learning how to do the same ride and not suffer. And you get better at it by doing it repetitively, keeping your heart rate lower, lower tempo, lower your zones, but just do it a lot more and you build an incredible base. And that's the one thing we all forget about is base building. And this is a good time to do that because obviously yeah. there's not a lot of racing going on. So we all should be focused on building your base. Don't worry so much about high watts and FDP and all that right now. Just try to build your base. Like keep your um, aerobic engine work. strong. Yeah, make your aerobic engine strong. And, and it's just much more fun. You just want to have more fun being out there longer at a lower threshold. You know, just just relax and enjoy the ride, I always say. Enjoy the ride. Yes. That's why we do this. Yeah. I mean, what are some tips that, like, I know that the tip you just gave with hill repeats is a great tip for getting better and, and obviously building strength in your legs and also your cardiovascular system, but like, what are some other things that as an advanced cyclist that maybe we take for granted that we should be thinking about? Well, it's, it's, you said it right there is pedaling. I mean, a lot of people focus more on producing power and coaching and uh, they forget, they forget that the efficiency of a pedal stroke is the most important thing. Uh, work on just pedaling. And when you pedal, let it come natural. Don't try to focus on pulling up and pushing down, Right. you know, just, Pedal. You learn how to pedal in circles by just pedaling. Bike handling is a big deal. Uh, I think in the off season, you should learn how to handle your bike. A lot of coaches 
you know, they push that issue because you lose efficiency. If you're not a good bike handler or relaxed on the bicycle, when you're on the road outside, you're going to waste energy because your heart rate's going to go up because you're nervous. Right. So learn, do technique, just to, you know, go online and you can even find like little exercises you could do on making circles in a parking lot. Right. Uh, learning how to let your hands go on a bicycle safely is not just teaching you how to let your hands go so you can be cool, but it teaches you how to steer the bike with your hips. So bike handling is a big deal. Everybody focuses on the engine, but you got to focus on the mind too, learning how to handle these things with your head. And it, soon you forget about how to steer the bike and you feel more comfortable and your heart rate goes down. So you become more efficient as an all-around rider. Efficiency and safety as an all-around rider. That's really great advice. I mean, and especially, you know, now we might not be going for such long rides as the weather on the East Coast cools down. How do you advise people? I mean, I also am on Zwift and ride inside, but, you know, for yeah. people that are riding outside until the weather cools down, probably, you know, there's some people in your crew that ride oh, below yeah. 30, right? Like, so how do you winterize yeah, yeah. your bike? Like, what are some things you need to do, you know, from your apparel to your tires? So, you know, in the winter, we try to really focus on making sure that if you go out, you set it right there, that your tires are in good shape before you leave your house. Um, you have to keep your bike cleaned and oiled properly. Why? Because when the winter comes in the Northeast, we put down a lot of salt on the roads. And that salt is corrosive to your whole bicycle, not just your chain cassette and your gears. Uh, so making sure that if you go on a ride, you oil the bicycle correctly, because if the bicycle is oiled correctly, it's going to protect it, right? And then when you get back, you want to clean it. You want to make sure that you, you have the uh, appropriate cleaning tools or the right chemicals to clean the bike safely and oil it safely. That's really the only maintenance you really should be focusing on. Anything else that, that uh, you need to do, you really should go to your shop and have them assess it. Yes. Unless you're a bike mechanic and right. you can assess it yourself, but you really should just be cleaning, maintaining, checking your tires, the simple things, and you have a safe ride. And then dressing properly is a really big deal. Yes. Don't go outside without dressing correctly. Uh, don't go outside experimenting, wearing the wrong clothes. Go. There's plenty of websites you can go on that teach you how to dress yeah. uh, properly for this weather. Yeah. And, and I mean, go to your shop and get advice too. That's what I did. I came in, I went to Strictly, I bought a, a jacket and I know, I obviously I know like base layers and everything, but I definitely needed to invest in some warmer gear. And it's like, normally I might be riding inside. You know, I also will ride on a compu trainer from the dark ages and yeah. I have my bike that I put on the trainer, but I also have been told on several occasions I should get a training tire so that I don't ruin my tires. But I feel that usually at this time I'm ready to ruin my tires and I'll just buy new ones for the next season. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? I think that anytime you put a tire on a trainer, it, it, it really burns out the, the, the protective coating that's on that tire really quickly because of the heat. Yes. Uh, the heat is very difficult to dissipate on a tire on a trainer. So if you're going to ride indoors, try to use that tire on the trainer and nothing else. The minute you take it outside, uh, you should change that tire out because you're going to get a flat tire right away because the glass is just going to go through that tire, especially if you're from New York. Yeah. Uh, flat tires in spring are huge. We do a lot of flat repairs and we pick people up off the road uh, because they did do what you said. They rode indoors and the tire uh, layering got really thin and any type of glass cut it. Uh, we recommend actually switching to a smart trainer that's direct drive. Right. Uh, that you take your wheel off. 
then it saves your tire. So. The walk and that's the Wahoo or uh oh, yeah, whatever, whatever, direct, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. real trainer, Wahoo, Tax, Elite. There's so many of them out there right now. They're all good and they save your tire. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And do you ride inside yourself or you're you're outdoors all winter? No. So I, I ride indoors to try to keep consistency this time of year. It's not good to ride outside hard. You should be really riding easy so you don't breathe in all that cold air. So I do all my workouts that are a little bit more intense inside because you can really focus on, I'm sorry to say, the pain inside yes. uh, and your wattage. The things that I'm trying to get you not to do when you ride outside in the you know in the beginning. But that's the why they work uh, well together. Yes, correct. Indoors, you could be more focused and really work on uh, on building your threshold power and all that other mumbo jumbo indoors. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, back to the bike shop and strictly bicycles. What's what are you doing now to kind of get out there in terms of digital and online content and shopping and all of that? Like, how are you growing your business? beyond the physical retail? Yeah, so uh, we always tried to focus on uh, social media, which is obviously a big part of everybody's business or life uh, right now. But we really, during these times of COVID, we really had to focus on our website. Uh, we knew that our store was more experiential and everybody just wanted to be here or come here. We had you know, a lot of people in our parking lot every day uh, wanting to come in. We'd open up earlier. The cafe would be full. So we knew that the experience in the store was winning out on the virtual side. So we didn't focus a lot on the website, but with COVID, we turned those, those, those that, that engine on really hard. So if you look at our website, strictlybicycles.com, it's basically strictly bicycles as best as we can do on the web uh, with as much experience, as much community. It looks great. It, you just redid it, right? Yeah. We just launched a new version of it uh, and we are going to continue to improve it. Um, add more, more content all the time, as much as we can. But uh, we want people to feel safe. So if you need something and you go on the site, you'll see the same thing on the site that you see in the store. Right. But we still want to get you into the store. So if you feel comfortable coming into the store and experience our, experiencing our store firsthand, we'll help you as best as we can as well in, in the shop. Never want to. And now Strictly Bicycles is a family business. I know because I've met your lovely wife, Joanna many times and talk to her all the time when I'm in the shop. She mentioned recently that your kids were working there, which I didn't know. Both yeah. your sons? So I have two sons, one that's working here now. The other one used to work here. Uh, he obviously, uh, during COVID, he lives in Brooklyn. So he followed his passion and became a, a full-time artist right now for, for a company, a graphic artist. So yes, it's a family business, 100%. It's always been uh, our staff is like our family too, good or bad. Uh, yes. Yeah, we feel like uh, if the staff has been through a lot, so they, they we stick together. We, we promote growth at our store. We know that the store wouldn't be strictly bicycles if it wasn't for a great staff. They, they are part of our family too. So we say we have our family working here, so our staff is included. It's, it's, it's kind of, they've been here for a while. And our new staff at SEC is the same way. Yeah, they've been thick and thin with us through COVID and through uh, all the looting in New York City and all the bad times. So we we really we really focus on making sure our staff is happy. I know it's difficult, especially during these times, but we want our our, our staff to really feel like they're part of a family too. So we're one big family. That's, That's wonderful. Nice. And are you so are your sons helping you get into like this next digital age of like YouTube and all of that, or you guys are? Yeah, doing I, mean, I mean, kind of. And they seem very savvy. Yeah. Yeah, they're savvy, but you know, they, they unfortunately a lot of the the the, the social media 
a lot of these new generation, they think that Facebook is for old people now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> And, and they think Instagram is following just right behind it. Oh, um, so they're over Instagram too, huh? Yeah, Instagram is, is it's still relevant. You know, not like Facebook is, but uh, our, my kids help me a lot with graphic art, believe it or not. And, yeah. And my son's art uh, experience has helped us with just try to fine tune uh, our imagery for our website, logos, all that, all the above. But yeah. Um, I still feel like I have a little bit of forward thinking being in, in a, a, a middle-aged entrepreneur right now. <laughs> so, uh, okay. <laughs> so so I, I know a little bit about what people like online, but I mean, obviously I fall to the, the youth right now to give me, to keep me up to date on a lot of other stuff. Yeah. That's where I dial in. I mean, I think, I think that people that are buying bikes are probably on Facebook and Instagram to be, yeah. I mean, cause people on TikTok. I think they're like 12. They might want yeah. the bikes, <laughs> but they're not they're buying them. On TikTok, yeah, and changing their outfit. Yeah, I totally. Think, you know, Facebook, it's still more relevant for the active community. Uh, yeah. The gathering and showing their races and all their fun stuff that they do. Uh, it's relevant and we'll, we'll always be involved in it. You know, that that's our, it's fun for us. And yeah. you guys have a Facebook group, right? What's your face? You have a Facebook group for the community or no? Yeah, so we've always had strictly bicycle cycling group. Yeah. Uh, obviously, through COVID, it's been kind of on a hiatus because yes. uh, we're not doing a lot with gathering and grouping. But the Fist Strictly Bicycles page is still active. We have a lot of stuff there. Uh, Instagram Strictly Bikes, uh, always active. We always post uh, reality. I mean, Strictly Bicycles is all about reality. We don't mm -hmm. like to dress up our, our our social media. We don't do these cookie cutter pictures. We do a right. uh, new bike day. If you buy a new bike and you want your, want your friends to see it, or if anybody wants to get inspiration, new bike yeah. day is kind of popular. We do a lot of that. I saw that. Uh, love, I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah, you saw that. yeah. We like doing that. Um, a lot of people get a kick out of it because they, you know, one day that could be you. You could have a new bike day at Strictly Bicycles, and I think it's a special day when anybody gets a bicycle. I don't care what bicycle it is. It's always a special day to get a new bicycle. It's uh, it's an experience. It's sure. an invitation to freedom. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have one last question. You know, sure. we've talked about cycling and business, but is there a lesson that you've learned from both business and from cycling that kind of mirror each other? A few things. Yeah, that, that, uh, obviously passion. You have to take anything you do that you do as a business or uh, for me, the hobby of cycling, uh, you have to have passion especially if you own it and, and you're going to be working the incredible amount of hours to do it. Cycling is the same way and cycling. You have to have passion because you're never going to be the best rider. You're not going to be the best business person. You're not supposed to be, you're supposed to make mistakes because that's the way life is. Um, experience life, make mistakes, business and, and cycling. The passion is what gets you through that. So I, I always push the, the, the word passion, um, have passion in whatever you do in business, in, in your life, in, in, in cycling, in your triathlon, in sport, because that's what gives it value to you. And, and it's worth more than anything. It's worth more than money. So you can't put a price tag on passion. So uh, passion is my, my, my key thing. This yeah. has been so awesome. Thank you so much, Nelson. But um, it's been so awesome having you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode 
links in the show notes. And of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out 